Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So yesterday we discussed the latest college football rankings that have Ohio State you know, sitting in the top spot there. And that got us thinking, what if the NFL had a similar ranking committee? Who would the candidates be for the top spots there? So, guys, for the first meeting of the NFL playoff selection committee, we will be bringing in Jason Fitz of Yahoo Sports to deliberate. Fellas, not sure if we have him yet, but this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, it's going to be great. We don't right now. We're lagging a little bit behind at this point, which is just a product of me right now. My body is not functioning at peak capacity. You're all seeing me, the filthy remnants of the meat sweats after a night at Fogo to Chow right now. Jason's been sitting in the chat asking why I'm wearing a tank top on yeah. air right now. No, I'm not trying to bite Pat McAfee's swag. He's got the market cornered on that. But I do understand and I do get exactly why he would do this. 
this dad. I have felt free. The takes have flowed out easier because I'm comfortable right now. My body is still a furnace. I feel like at any moment I could have a physical reaction inside my stomach that wouldn't be good for anybody on this show. But all in all, this has been a great plot twist. And I've already gotten compliments on how jacked I look from people. So you're just dead wrong about this look for me. Is your chair soaking wet? Did you sweat into the chair as well? Uh, yeah, I got up before oh, and underneath my thighs disgusting. were some pretty solid imprints. So it's uh, all it's all hot and bothered right now. Speaking of hot and bothered, Jason Fitz is in the chat with us here now. Uh, you can catch him breaking down college football in the NFL over at Yahoo Sports, also Fox Sports Radio on the weekends there. Uh, Fitzy, you don't strike me as a guy who's dealt with a lot of the meat sweats here. Your dainty stomach doesn't seem like it could handle the volume yeah. of meat needed to get no, that. See, but here's the thing, Mike. When you're a little guy... You don't have to eat as much meat to get the meat sweats. My question is, why do you lack the self-control to walk away from the meat sweat table? Like, this is not – your dad's right on this one. Like, this is not a good look for you. Like, this this looks like you've given up. Like, you've lost all hope. Like, maybe you just <laughs> sort of out of bed and you're like, I'm done. I, like, I – I don't know. I looked at it and I thought, man, if things gone south and Mike can't afford sleeves anymore, like, I don't know what's happening here, Mike. Like, I just – I think you can do, do better, be better, Junior. Can't afford sleeves. Jason, if you looked like this, would you ever wear sleeves right now? Our friend oh. Jersey Joe on Twitter said it best. Meat sweats are the body's way of saying, I'm proud of the work you did last night on that, whatever the meat product was. So my body is expressing its pride and joy in me, Jason. I, you know, I, will, say, I will say, Jason, that, that I agree with Mike when you don't, or, and disagree with you. You just don't walk away. You stuff yourself as much as you possibly can before you yeah. waddle out of that place. That's just what you do. At a place where they just keep bringing you meat, it's one thing if you get an entree and that's all you get. So, But it's another thing, if you can keep eating that same product, in this case a meat product, you do it until you feel, it's like Thanksgiving. You just eat until you feel disgusting, knowing full well you're going to unbuckle your pants, lay down on the couch until everything goes down a little bit, and then you're going to do the whole thing again. So I, I, I am with Mike as far as just jamming as much as you can. It feels like a lack of training, personally. Like, if you knew you were going to go somewhere where you were going to have to eat that much, May, like your body doesn't get a sore if you're working out every day. Speaking from uh, expertise on oh, that one, you know, geez. I'm just Mr. I'm saying, your body's way, your body's way yeah. of telling you that you've done something is the fact that my lats feel a little sore from all the rows yesterday. That's that's your body. Like meat sweats is just telling you that you haven't been eating enough meat, Mike. Like I know you well enough. You prep every day until you get to the meats. You know what this is, Mike? If Mike, if we the three of us went to went to where you went to forget a child for the. Jason would go over to, to the salad bar. That's what that's where he would. Hundred percent. Oh right? God, he'd be wasting yeah. space yeah. on the oh. rabbit food. There. Do you think? Like, yeah. I got my y'all. I got my first ab. My first ab has moved in. Like, yeah, there's no way I'm ruining it. My first ab has moved in. I'm letting him like check out the neighborhood, see what it, see. Maybe he wants to invite his buddies to move in. I might end up getting a second ab. Like, there's no chance that I'm ruining that with meat sweats. Come on, I got it. I got an ab in the neighborhood. What? <laughs> Put it on the put it on the poll. Do you actually believe Jason Fitz has an ab? Because I absolutely do not. Pun fully intended. 
Are you gonna pick? Are you? Are, is that were you reaching to pull up the shirt here? I'm a little worried no. right now. I'm gonna get belly. Oh no! On don't do that. Right no. Okay. No. 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 All right. In an effort America to move that. us away from Jason Fitz's yes. belly button on air, let's get to what we <laughs> brought you here for, Jason. Back during our time at ESPN, you pioneered the NFL Playoff Committee as a format for trying to figure out who the best team in the NFL is. We've done this in college football now for the last decade in the CFP era, but in the NFL, we're at a very interesting juncture of the season where we had a team like the 49ers hit the skids in the last three games and really struggle you've got the Bengals coming on late after the early start of the season and so for the college football playoff committee the things that they're considering right now the strength of the resume that you've accomplished head-to-head opponents here who you've scheduled so far the games that you've won this season quality wins quality losses all of these things factored into it we don't have conference championships as a metric or anything like that and of course the almighty eye test so Jason I I want to I want to start to approach this looking at the top three first. For anyone unfamiliar, in the college football playoff committee's process, they actually debate the top three teams first and try and figure that out before going forward. Let's start with an easy number one and try and get consensus there. Jason, who do you think is the best team in football right now? Yeah, it's. A, I mean, if the committee was meeting now, Philly gets the top spot. I don't think there's any doubt on that, not just because they have the least number of wins, but because they have some impressive wins along the way. So, yeah, Philly, Philly to me, gets the top spot. That, that one's easy. I, I, I agree. Dan, I, think, agree? I think Philly – yeah, I think Philly is the easy pick uh, for number one at this point. And quite honestly, I still haven't think, I uh, don't think they've hit their stride. Uh, but as Nick Sirianni has said, and I agree, it, it's, it's first and eight or nine every single time for them because of how well that brotherly shove works. We, we, we laugh at it all the time, but it is an unbelievable uh, tool in the tool belt uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you look at the teams they've beaten, the Miami Dolphins that they beat, who, you know, again, we know the flaws in that roster, but they were the first team to go out, or the second team, excuse me, after the Buffalo Bills to go out and beat that Dolphins team. The Cowboys, close win this past weekend. The Minnesota Vikings, who I think especially at the juncture they got them at there, that we were starting to see some of the things pile up there. The weird loss to the Jets is the one that's going to stick in everybody's craw. Jason, tell me how you feel about this. I wanted to go college football comps for these teams. Philadelphia feels like Michigan, where we haven't seen them have to play their best necessarily yet, but coming off of last year, built well along the lines of scrimmage, quality quarterback who can also hurt with his legs, they seem like the Michigan Wolverines to me, which means Connor the Stallion should be grabbing some Eagles gear. <laughs> no, well, but, and I think you're right. I think the one thing that Philly has on the resume now that you can't really deny is that Cowboys win, and the Cowboys always get some level of credit from the committee, right? Like the, the Cowboys in this scenario are always going to get a little bit of love. So that feels like a quality win, but you're right. Like, uh, th- there's no doubt that Philly – I think that's a comp. That's that's good comp on that. All right, so let's go. Who's the number two team? I would – in this spot in my rankings, I have the Kansas City or Kansas City Chiefs. Quality wins against the Jags, Dolphins, and Minnesota Vikings. Your only two losses on the year. Opening night to the Detroit Lions when you had no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey in that game. Human committee taking into account the people that weren't on the field. Uh, and then the inexplicable loss to the Bronco, which Patrick Mahomes flu game that didn't go Jordan flu game route there. They're my Georgia in this equation fits where maybe it's because of the past that I have built into my brain, my very human brain understanding the context of this. They're the standard in the NFL right now. And based on what I've seen, especially defensively from them, I feel comfortable with them in the two hole. 
I think you are right that the committee would put them in the two-hole because the committee is told to factor who was on the field, who wasn't on the field, things like that that you mentioned, human nature. However, if we were in the committee together, this is where I would look at you and I would yell loudly, does head-to-head not matter? And I don't think today on a neutral field that I would feel comfortable betting your house on the Lions over the Chiefs, but the Lions have a head-to-head win and the same record over the Chiefs. So when you're talking about two teams with the same record and a head-to-head win for the Lions, I don't know how we can put the Chiefs ahead of the Lions when they have played this year and the Lions won that football game. That's interesting. So I'll be interested. So who would would your number two team be then? Mm. I'm, mm, I, see that? I'm right. I say very hesitantly. I think I'm putting Baltimore too. I think I'm putting Baltimore too. <laughs> I, I, I listen. That's where I was going. I was letting you go first. I'm going Baltimore number two. That offense is a top ten offense. Top ten offense overall. They're number one running the ball. Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball better, completing over seventy percent of his passes. He's still running, whether it's a planned run or a scramble, about nine times a game. Remember, they said he was going to run less and throw more. Now, nine touchdowns, seven, I believe seven interceptions, so that hasn't been the greatest as far as uh, those stats concerned from him throwing the ball. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, three interceptions for Lamar, not seven. Nine touchdowns, three interceptions. But why I'm, the main reason I'm putting him number two, their defense. Their defense is stud-like. Leading in sacks, they're second overall to Cleveland. Those are the top two defensive, but their defense is playing ball right now. And the offense is answering the bell overall. And like I said, uh, are running the ball. So to me, I'm giving them that, that, that complete team kind of uh, emphasis on them and putting them at number two. And they, and they have the win over Cincinnati. I know Joe Burrow wasn't himself then, but they have a win over Cleveland, right. a defense that's respected, a dominant win over Cleveland. They got a dominant win over Detroit. They got a dominant win over the Seahawks, who at the time the committee probably respected. I mean, they got all of the resume wins you could possibly ask along the way. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it takes me out of having to pick between Kansas City and, uh, and the Lions where head-to-head matters. So, yeah, I, I'm taking Baltimore at number two. Let's go. I honestly, I had Baltimore at four behind the Bengals. Like, really? I threw out head behind to head. the Bengals. I threw out head to head, and I, I, I think especially, and this is the one where the Bengals to me are the ultimate. Like they're the Bengals to me, by the way, in the comparisons we're making in college football, they're Alabama, where they're really starting to pass the eye test right now. And after getting through some of the early season scaries because of how your quarterback looked, now all of a sudden you're playing some of the best football that we've seen, and you're a brand I can trust. And I think that as much as anything. The Joe Burrow of it all, the way that Luana Rumo's defense has gone out and worked. And I understand that was a close game against Baltimore. And that's with Joe Burrow at a limp right there. And so I say on a neutral field now, Baltimore's rush offense, fantastic. I'm counting on Luana Rumo there. I think the defenses there can be closer to a wash even accounting for the fact that Baltimore is probably overall the better of the two. But offensively right now, I would say with the Bengals and Joe Burrow in critical moments, that passing attack has more time under task with their parts involved. We're still watching Baltimore learn every week more and more about their pass catchers, more and more about how to integrate some of the things that Todd Munkin wants to do. And so right now, I would probably say I would still, if you put them on the field again, I would pick the Bengals right now. Yeah, but the Bengals have a bunch of losses. Does that not matter? Like, I agree with everything you just said about where they're headed, but still I'm sitting in the committee saying, hey, maybe they'll get through. This is one of those, and you know this well, Mike. This is one of those the committee will let it work itself out. Like, hey, the Bengals will get really good so we can bury them and we'll let the Bengals work their way up week after week. That's way easier. 
Okay, so how about this? Because I think I I see the logic in your guys' thought here by the way that we're supposed to judge this as a committee. How about this for an order? Would you guys agree Philadelphia, Kansas City, and then Baltimore at three? Or are you guys adamant that you think Baltimore should be at two and we need Kansas City down one? Adam at Baltimore is at two. The the offense is playing by far well enough, and the defense is just stud like. So, to me, they get the nod over Kansas City, and they're to me they're a solid two. I mean, you, you, and then you start to look you start to look at Kansas City when we go when they say talk about quality wins. Is the Dolphins a quality win anymore? Dolphins can't beat a good team. Um, you know, Minnesota, we looking, is that a real, real quality win? Jacksonville, I think, is playing I, well. It's a quality I think win. Min- I think Minnesota was a quality win. Once they stopped with the turnover uh, issues that they had, we saw unparalleled, unprecedented turnover luck go poorly for the Minnesota Vikings. And I think we saw by the end, before Kirk Cousins got hurt, there was a lot of hope around what that team could potentially be in the NFC North. So, yes, I will still say that Vikings win counts as a good one. Yeah, but, All but, right, but so I think... I- Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jason. I, I think your your point's right here because, remember, they got the win over Miami, but they only played one solid half of football in that game. They, they lost to Denver before that. They were okay against the Chargers. They struggled against Denver. They struggled against the Jets with Zach Wilson. Like, I, uh, they, they struggle or they, they beat this not out of Chicago, but Chicago stinks. Mike, if I had to ask you to support Kansas City without saying a single thing about anything that's ever happened not in this year, how can you support that this year's Chiefs with that offense is actually the number two team in the NFL? Because I would point to that defense and say, well, yes, the Baltimore Ravens defense is great. Chiefs defense is fifth in DVOA. That's been a really solid group this year, and it's not the thing we usually word associate with the Chiefs, so it's not as fun and sexy to talk about. I would ask both right. of you guys, we put Baltimore and Kansas City on the field tomorrow. Who are you picking? Baltimore. I'm picking. I'm, I'm, I still need to see someone else than Travis Kelsey. Because, is it Rasheed Rice, the rookie? Okay, he's been playing well, no doubt about it. Baltimore's defense to me is is just too good. And the the added of Lamar Jackson still running the ball and he's throwing the ball better and they have better receivers, even though Odell Beckham hadn't been what they thought we all thought he was going to be, though he had a good game last week. I head to head right now, I, I take Baltimore. So we're flipping back and forth on those two. Who do who do we have at four? Is is Cincinnati number four for all of us, or is there somebody else? Why do you guys hate the Lions? Well, it sounds like Jason wants Detroit. I mean, uh, Detroit well, then has I would to be in this conversation. All right, then put them in. Are you making them four or three? You putting them three, or or where are you putting them? I mean, I'd be comfortable putting them four, but like, I can't. I can't. Looking at Detroit this year, if we're going to say that Kansas City is the the number three team, right? Then Detroit, either way, has a win over Kansas City. That team, there are two losses uh, at this point for Detroit. What they got the loss to Seattle. Uh, that's a eh, loss, and then they just got dominated by Baltimore. So that does violate the "Thou shalt not get blown out" uh, credence yeah. of the the committee. I understand that, but. Uh, I mean, I, they have the best win. The win over Kansas City would be the best win that any of the, these teams were talking about. Well, well, you just said the committee takes into into account things. Travis Kelsey didn't play in that game, and they beat him by a point. So, Chris listen, Jones I love didn't Detroit play in that game, right? Chris Jones did. I have picked Detroit to play Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game, so I love Detroit. This this one probably goes more to the eye test, even though they have one more loss than Detroit, and usually you don't see this. 
I, I go to the eye test, and I would put Cincinnati four over Detroit with the eye test. I would have Detroit number five, that first team on the outside looking to jump in when one of the top four screws up. So again, I don't want to disrespect Detroit because of the record, because I do still, and I'm not changing my pick at this point, of them in the NFC title game with Philadelphia. But right now, I'll put them five. But I'm also going to sit here and look at the Bengals and say, somebody explain to me a 27-3 loss to a bad Titans team. Like, I mean, that's an abject disaster on the resume. I'll, I'll, I'll that buy was the, the remnants of injured Joe Burrow, though. That was the last right. game yep. where Joe Burrow's yep. calf was really part of the problem. And you saw he couldn't move. He couldn't get away from that Titans pass rush. And then ever since then, once they got the chance to calm down, especially got the bye week mixed in there, you've got three straight wins now against the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Bills. Three straight wins against three straight likely playoff teams, Two of whom, three, all three of whom are vying for potentially winning their division. That counts for something. The what have you done for me lately? Once your quarterback has come back and looked like himself physically. Yeah, but and, and, oh, by the, the way, the, they, they beat the Cardinals as well, so they have four wins in a row. Uh, yeah, but I'm still going to go back to okay, twenty-four to three to Cleveland and twenty-seven to three to Tennessee. I don't care who you want to tell me, Mike, that the committee would look at Alabama losing two games by three touchdowns to lesser opponents and say, well, he's a backup quarterback. Like, there's there's no way the committee would justify. Two blowout losses in I mean, that process. Fitz, Fitz, we almost we almost did that in 2017 with USC before Sam Darnold took over. Oh, that was yeah, the yeah. best three-loss team in football. People were very worried about that. We've got actual precedent of the committee looking and saying, well, you know, you didn't have the right quarterback in there. And listen, when you've got calf-strained Joe Burrow, that would qualify as not the right quarterback. So let's try and settle in on our top four in the NFL right now. We've all been consensus Philadelphia at number one. Yep. I I've been overruled and you guys want to put Baltimore at number two. Yes. So two thirds yep. two thirds vote in the committee. We'll have the Ravens at number two. Dad and I would both have then Kansas. We would have Kansas City at three then, right? We're all in agreement yes. on that behind. Yeah, Baltimore. we'll put Kansas City at three. And then yep. Dad and I would Dad and I would say the Bengals at four. Fitz is arguing for Detroit there. We would have them just on the outside looking in. Which, by the way, so if we go that route, if Dad and I overrule overrule there, and so we end up going Philly, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Cincinnati at number four, first outside looking in, would that be Detroit and then San Francisco? Is that how we would order the last two out? Listen, I'm giving it to Detroit right now. I, I mean, I am. San Francisco is just not obviously playing well. They got to come back and and prove a little bit. I I am a big fan of what of what Detroit's doing. Obviously, a couple of games ago, getting shelled by the Ravens does not help. I do understand that, but yes, I would put Detroit at five. Yeah, I'm good with Detroit at five. But Duval is going to be up in your mentions if they don't even get mentioned. Five Ooh. straight wins and they don't get a chance. Wow, yeah. that's nope. right. That's that's a fair point. Det- Detroit Boy, and Jacksonville in the first two out yep. seem like a really good yep. spot there. Uh, at yep. Gojo and yep. Golick on Twitter. I'm sure no one will be mad. At Jason oh, Fitz on Twitter is where you can find him. Check him out. Watch him. Re- uh, watch him and listen to him over covering college football in the NFL for Yahoo Sports. Listen to him on the weekends for Fox Sports Radio. Fitzy, appreciate the time, brother. We'll bring you back for the committee next week and see if everyone still hates us. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. 
Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. The Rams surprising everybody by signing Carson Wentz. That's right. Uh, consequently, there they did uh, wave Brett Rippon, who had stepped in while Matt Stafford is dealing with a UCL sprain in his thumb. So, guys, the Wentz signing, really just another symptom of a full year of quarterback injuries in the NFL. So that got us thinking. With so many injuries, Matthew Stafford, just one of them. At the QB spot this season, what is the long-term prognosis for some of these teams? I mean, what are they going to do in this situation? Cardinals, great example, okay? Getting Kyler Murray back this week. But is Kyler Murray the guy in Arizona of the future? What do we think? First off, with the Carson Wentz signing, I'm excited, Dad and Jesse, that he gets to add another piece of issued gear to his next tryout yep. outfit. Do you guys remember <laughs> I love when he that. did yes. that full padded yes. workout with every piece of issued gear from every team that he had been a part of up until that point? I think it was Colts, Commanders, and Eagles all equally represented. So Rams, good colors. The Ramley, I'm sure happy to be a part of that, Dad. Isn't it amazing, Mike, how many years ago it was that halfway before he blew his knee out diving into the end zone when he was an MVP candidate, where his career has gone from there. Just amazing, right? From, man, almost to the mountaintop to just, you know, waiting to get a phone call. He's got a career record now of 46-45-1 here, so... Wild. We mm. used we used to spend tons of sports talk airtime on the Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz debate yep. in the world of sports when they were both in the <laughs> NFC East. Tell that and explain that to your children now. Um, but Dad, Jesse brought it up. It's an interesting time to do a checkup on a lot of NFL teams, and not just the future of this season. For because for a lot of these teams, it's that old line. Um, I think it was Bill Polian talking about the backup quarterback for the Colts and said, "If that guy's right. in, like we're we're not going to win. We're done. Peyton Manning's not right. in the game." anymore it doesn't matter who our backup is we're gonna lose because the whole system's built around this guy being that great and so for a lot of these teams that's the reality for this year but long term a little bit of a checkup here let's start with arizona dad come the start of 2024 do you think kyler murray's the starting quarterback for the cardinals anymore because i think we're we're getting barring something unforeseen like unless in the darkness while kyler murray has been away he has completely revamped his relationship with that organization jonathan gannon pew pew pewed all the right buttons with him and got him to a point now where he's ready to buy in and be a different player than we saw I really struggle to see how Arizona doesn't turn the page given the opportunity they've got with the number one overall pick right now in the 2024 draft. So to be a new offense for him, so we have yet to see him in said new offense. I was surprised at the pick way back when, when they made it, and I didn't think it was going to pan out for him with the Cardinals. Uh, And I still don't. But we've talked about the one side of the coin where he has the injury protection. If he gets hurt and doesn't pass a physical in March, he's guaranteed $30 million. So Arizona is taking that chance. 
but also to see him in this new system, right, of what he's going to look like in here. So I, I would say probably do we think Arizona has made up their mind already? If, to me, if they had made up their mind already, they would, wouldn't put him on the field and risk the possibility 100%. of that 30 mil of him getting hurt. So I think maybe they want to see how he plays in this offense. So I think for them, the jury is out. For me, I, I think eventually, yeah, it, it, they're, going, they're going to be moving on from him. I would agree, but you're right. No, they would not risk putting him out here if that wasn't the case. And listen, the players involved in that too, once he's medically cleared, it would be very interesting and obvious for the Cardinals if all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we're not going to put that guy out there on the field right now. Now, if you had had conversations with Kyler and his camp behind closed doors and they wanted to try and facilitate a trade, if that had become part of the conversation, it's one thing. But Drew Petzing, their offensive coordinator, said there's going to be no restrictions on Kyler Murray going into this weekend. So they're going to go and see and it's an offense that's going to look very different than what he's used to. They've been under center a lot more than we've seen Kyler Murray in the past and so I don't think he's their guy next year but you're right. They are giving this an earnest try just by taking the risk of having him back out on the field. And let me quickly say from for both of us, I think I speak for both of us when we're talking about these quarterbacks and some we think being gone, I hope every one of them succeeds. I, I hope they, if I think Carly Murray is not going to be the quarterback of the future, I, there I hope he proves me wrong. I mean, this, this isn't just just to diss these guys. This is just being an analyst, us being analysts and saying what we think. I hope oh, all yeah. these guys play well and make it without question. God, yeah, if you're new here, I don't know if you're going to find a more pro player outfit than us nine out of ten times. So this is not said with malice and rooting for, but it's reading the situation and the opportunities that these teams have. And Chicago's the same way. Dad, I was beating the drum as hard as anybody for Justin Fields last offseason when the Bears had the number one overall pick about, no, you keep him around, you try and build, and you try and finally cater an offense to the skills of your quarterback and it's been mixed results mostly because of injury dad we've seen flashes where they've gotten him on the move they've allowed him to do some of the things that we'd expect Justin Fields to have success with but this is another one where the sample size is incomplete in large part due to injury you're going to have two picks in the top five with that Panthers pick that you've brought over here and if you're Ryan Poles we talked about it earlier in the show you've got an opportunity to reset your clock as the GM and attach yourself to a quarterback that you pick. Right. which is almost always the measure of those guys' jobs, and I think we need to not discount self-preservation in this. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, too, you have to look at and go back to the Arizona thing, the coaching staff, the new, the new staff and management wasn't part of the Kyler Murray pick. You know, Matt Eberflus wasn't part of the Justin Fields pick. So, you know, wh- where does that all play into it of the, you know, um, how, how, how are you going to be with that person, uh, you know, standing by their side if you weren't there when you picked him? I like Justin Fields, Mike, man. I, I was rooting hard for him this year. With two picks there, I, I find it hard to believe that they're probably not going to move on. Again, you can't see any more improving right now because he's missed game after game after game with the thumb. So hoping he can get back to see what can happen because they tried to build around him a little bit. You know, uh, obviously in the trade, getting DJ Moore, uh, trying to build that old line, helping the defense with sweat and signing him. So I, I do like what they're doing around it. We haven't really seen great practical application on the field, but I, I do have a feeling they're going to move on from him. 
Yeah, this is more about opportunity cost in my mind. And it's a reminder of what we talked about the other day relative to C.J. Stroud, that more quarterbacks are ruined than can come in and overcome circumstance. The Joe Burrow situation in Cincinnati is an outlier in terms of what he overcame protection-wise. Justin Fields has been through multiple coaching staff. He's been through multiple coordinators. We said with the Matt Nagy coaching staff, it felt like they were fighting their quarterback with the way they called offense. None of that is conducive to a young quarterback growing. And then you factor in in injury at the end of last season now injury in the middle of this season all of it a net negative when you're trying to create a place where your quarterback can succeed and with the draft opportunity I think that's hard to pass up dad Daniel Jones is the real interesting one here he signed that deal in the offseason we know he's got a big number still with them next year according to Tankathon right now the Giants currently sit and would sit at fourth in draft position in this upcoming draft which is a weird spot in a draft where I think you're going to have two clearly defined top quarterbacks in Drake May and Caleb Williams that are going to come off the board at one and two and so for the Giants kind of sitting in no man's land and with that salary dad while I've kind of been back and forth on this in recent weeks I think barring something unforeseen Daniel Jones is probably going to have to be your guy going forward next year and you might have to use this capital to build up more of the roster around him so that if it doesn't work out with him you can hit the dismount with somebody else I agree I think I think the money takes care of this one again it's a 69 million dollar dead cap hit next year that would be the most we've seen in the NFL. I just don't think any team's going to want to do it. Now, are there ways to structure things? This is well beyond you know my, my mental capacity of doing things and, and how you do them. But that's a number I'm looking at right now. So I do think that money holds this one up and that he will be back with the Giants next year. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like the more and more along we go, it's an opportunity for the Giants to do what they really didn't do this offseason, which is use a lot of their capital in other places. Yes. You had the back and forth with Saquon Barkley, which is still going to be a thing this upcoming offseason after the way that you structured that last deal. But, uh, Dad, I think they've got to now really commit themselves to fixing a number of the other ills on their roster. Whoever you put at quarterback behind that offensive line at this current juncture is going to have a bad time. You don't have enough receiving weapons yet. The defense has thankfully started to come alive, but you've got a lot of other holes in the dam that you've got to plug if you're the New York Giants. We can take a look at some of the other quarterback positions on another day. The Jets and Aaron Rodgers, we believe, are going to be fine going into next year. The Rams and Matthew Stafford as he's got yet another injury. That just feels like par for the course for him. And of course, the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins, what their plans look like now after that Achilles injury. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, uh, the Sooners are not going to be making the college football playoffs this season, okay? And unless they get some help from other teams around the conference, they're not even going to make the Big 12 championship here. So in spite of that, Oklahoma wide receiver Drake Stoops rejects the idea that they have nothing left to play for. I come in here day in and day out, spend 10 hours up here every day, and for me there's a lot left to play for. And I bust my tail year-round for this for six years now, so I'm not really listening to what people say. As long as you have games to play, you have something to play for. Yeah, I don't care if we're 0-8 right now. I'm playing ball because I love to play football. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I love the University of Oklahoma. It's really that simple. I got a lot of pride like, for this place, so I'm going to go hard every single day and do everything I possibly can to see us win, and, and that's the end of it. I mean, it feels kind of uh, strange, but we, I guess, have to remind people that even if you're not winning games, you still have to show up to film, to lifting, to practice. To It's not like they're like, ah, oh, we're not doing well, so why don't you guys just take the week off? One thing Drake should be careful of is the I'm here 10 hours a day. Yeah. You're only allowed 20 hours yeah. a week. So you said 10 hours a day. So be careful the on NCAA that. The was listen, like, what? Yeah. Wait, wait. What did he say? You know, but listen, I mean, he's right. This is football. I mean, we, we've been doing this since we were kids. We love the game. So now we're sitting here talking about it's more of a business with NIL and getting ready for the pros, so not playing in a bowl game or when do you not take games seriously because you're getting ready for the next level. It's such a small amount of players that we're talking about when we, when we talk that. And the majority, I'm thinking again, 130 Division I schools, just Division I with 85 scholarships. Do the math. I mean, that's, oh, I think, over 11,000 people playing football, and you're talking about in a draft, you know, a couple hundred. So this is a game we all grew up loving. We love playing the game, but the headline sometimes goes to, you know, the top guy who may go in the draft, should he go play in a bowl game? I mean, man, the games matter. I, you hate losing, but you go in the next day or the next week and you want to play a game. I, I've said this till the, and I'll say it till the day I die. The thing I miss most about football, and it wasn't just the NFL, it was college, it was high school. I'll miss the locker room. Man, I'll miss being with the guys. I'll miss hanging out, you know, and then playing ball together. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're playing a game. And for 98% of the people that go all the way and play through college, that's where it's going to end. So, of course, you know, the love of the game and you want to go play, we get lost, Mike, sometimes in, in the sight of should you play, should we care about this, should we not, should we play in this bowl game, looking forward to the draft, when, again, 98%, 99% of the guys are out there, man, just playing ball, knowing, just like the commercial says, they're going pro in something else other than football. Yeah, I refuse to support that commercial propaganda for what it's worth. But I understand the point that you're making there. I just didn't understand <laughs> those sons of you-know-what. Um, I, I think meaning is something that's different to everybody because you love football. You don't always like having to go out to practice towards the no, end of the season no. when it sucked like this. There's plenty of guys that are also looking forward to winter break, looking forward to the offseason after all that, especially because of the toll that this takes. It's not perfect, but... 
you're right. We think of meaning usually in one context, and it's a financial one. And I understand that because for so long, there was a massive gulf in the economics of college football and the economics of the NFL and the opportunity for the top guys to go out there and get their thing. But for everyone else who just even wants a crack at the next level or who wants a chance to go out there and continue to get more playing time for themselves in college, like, Man, self-preservation. I've said it a bunch of times on the show today, but it applies to this too. Like, I never got to think about higher order stuff like that over the course of season. I was trying to figure out every day, what do I do to show the coaches that I'm worth having out on the field? And once I got on the field, how do I make sure that I stay there every day? And that's not a, oh, what happens on Saturday thing. That's like, what do I have to do in the training room that morning? What do I have to do in meetings that afternoon? What am I bracing for there? Like, the day-to-day reality five minutes in front of your face please say stuff is so true that's the meaning for most everyone there i mean jesse you were a college athlete you understand that as well of us especially because there wasn't a pro option beyond that of meaning looks a lot of different ways to a lot of different people in this yeah frankly let's be honest here even if you're straight up not having a good time because your team is sucking you still have to go to all this crap so no duh you want to <laughs> go win on the field like you're not just going to give up it's right it's ridiculous to have to explain this much time being dedicated to something you're going to care at least a little bit about the outcome yeah that's why i I guess i laugh overall dad at this idea that people think and this has happened too like people think that guys that transfer are lesser competitors as if that's decision is super easy to uproot your life on campus and go to this different place and trying to learn all this stuff or that the guys that skip out on bowl games do so i mean you all saw caleb williams in the crowd after that game that stuff mattered to him going out there and being with his teammates matters to all these guys to different extents but at some point the financials are impossible to ignore for some of these guys especially when it comes to games and i know meaningless sounds like a dirty word when it comes to the bowl games even though we have plenty of people that like these bowl games that admit we've probably got too many of them at certain times but with the jake butts in the background and jalen smith's in the background that's where that comes up is weighing the risk reward there doesn't mean you don't care it just means that you're aware of the same financial game everyone else has been playing for a long time in this sport yeah, and plus, you know, if we're talking football, this, this is true really of all athletes, but this was a football conversation with Drake Stoops. Man, if, if you're not prepared, you still got games to play. And if you start slacking off, you know what happens on the field? You get your ass kicked. And nobody wants that. So all of a sudden, if your no. your season is go well and you start slacking off, you'll find out on the practice field and then certainly in the game Oh boy, you know, I better not be slacking off because the guy that's playing against me doesn't give a damn. He's trying to bury me. Also, LOL, because Drake Stoops has been at OU for six years. So he's like, yeah, yeah, been here my whole life. <laughs> Ten hours Stay a day. there as long I mean, as you can, I mean, Drake. <laughs> yeah. With that last name, he's been around there a lot longer than that, man. Yes. Like being a yeah. Stoops at Oklahoma, you better have that attitude because that name means something around those parts there. Speaking of meaning football, meaningful football left, uh, we would not be uh, pro player members of the football media if we did not at least say publicly on air the NCAA should be ashamed of themselves for the way oh. that they're dealing with James Madison right now, who James Madison is in the middle of their transition from FCS football to FCS, FBS football, Division 1A football, however you've referred to it over the years. And in that transition period that's been a part of the NCAA bylaws, you're usually not eligible for postseason play. Now, part of that's done... The, Dad, the spirit of the rule thing is 
in part to protect these teams making the transition to make sure that they have the time to gather resources. Usually, you're right. allowed to mix the schedule if you want. Still have FCS teams on the schedule and mix in some D1 teams there. Right. It's also meant to make sure that a team's not trying to ride the hot hand of one good team, get them up to that level, and then drop back down soon after that. James Madison has already gone out and been playing a full Sunbelt schedule. Yes. The conference has accommodated them from the jump, so they've been playing a full FBS schedule so far. Playing it well, might I add. They checked in in front yep. of Notre Bleeping Dame this week in the polls there, but is not out, uh, opportune here, and they're trying to make the point, Dad. They've made another plea to the NCAA, trying to petition again to remove the postseason ban so they can play in the postseason and in the Sunbelt Championship game that they'd be in right. line to play in by saying, no, we resource this the right way. You don't have to protect us from anything, and to ignore the obvious differences in this situation, Dad, seems to fly in the face of the spirit of this rule. And oh, by the way, the top group of five team in the college football rankings plays in a, in a New Year's Six Bowl, and right now that would be Tulane, right? And they're sitting at number 23 with a loss. So this is another just archaic thing by the NCAA to not give James Madison to put them in the conversation of, of being able to play in the postseason in a bowl game. It's an absolute joke. They'll try and appeal again. Hopefully the NCAA uh, will listen this time and, and grant it to them. But knowing the NCAA, they'll deny him yet again. Yeah, exactly. And the people that unfortunately are the losers in that situation are the athletes involved who are doing something unprecedented in the way that they've managed this jump up to the next level. And so again, they're not trying to game the system. They're not someone that needs protection here. Let them play ball and let them shine right now because they deserve it. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way that we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Check us out here live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. But if you miss any of the show, including guests like our uh, good buddy Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports, who stopped by to help us do the NFL playoff committee uh, rankings there, which I apologize to Jacksonville Jaguars fans. Your name should have yes. been brought up a lot more. Yes. I know the Dolphins fans are going to be all ticked off here, although I mean, the way it's gone recently nah. for Miami, yeah. I think you can uh, understand why they weren't top of mind necessarily. It, it, so, exactly. Jacksonville winning five in a row. We, we owe an apology to Jacksonville w without a doubt. Yeah, that's that's our bad on that one duval yep. absolutely deserving to be in part of that yep. conversation here we'll wear the hat on that uh make sure you go and check that out if you missed it wherever you get your podcast or on the DraftKings youtube channel right after we get done here and guys let's start off with this Deion sanders came out the other day and threw some cold water on the idea of his son shadur sanders their starting quarterback in the nfl draft he asked if he was listening to the draft talk and Deion said quote why would we when we're having a great time here when we appreciate and love where we are it's hard to look at somewhere else now dad i i, I want to believe that this is just dion's way of trying to put this conversation off for another day and not have it be a distraction for them in the midst of a season that's already kind of going off the rails because i would hope and believe that Deion sanders the father especially and the coach here whatever hat you're wearing if the draft grade for his son shador sanders is near the top of the draft as for parts of this season certain pundits had him that he would give him the advice to go out there and go make that next level money right now you can show me nil valuation 
negotiations till you're blue in the face. But that guaranteed first round money, if that's what he would be in line for, certainly hits different. You can make an argument for staying based on the fact that he wouldn't be the first or second quarterback taken. But I digress. He, uh, Mike, we're going to disagree here. I think that he will come back and go to Col- go back to Colorado and try and be the number one pick next year. Remember earlier when when this was brought up, you know, Dion was saying my kid doesn't play number two to anybody. You know, when they were talking about if he would go where we'd go in the draft with Caleb Williams being the number one, and Dion said my kid doesn't play number two to anybody. So he thinks his kid would be a number one pick, and the only way to do that is to go back again. And then be the top quarterback come because the the kid is incredible at the quarterback position. Now, going back, two things. One, you're right. His estimated NIL is 4.6 mil as opposed to the 30-some mil guaranteed he'd get at that position. And number two, he's getting the snot beat out of him this year, and I'd expect to get the snot still beat out of him next year. It's not like they're going to magically find five guys that are going to be unbelievable in protection. So you fear the injury thing as well. But I think with that family, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, Deion Sanders is the best there was as a lockdown corner. He is a winner, and he will tell you he has always been a winner, and he's raised his kids to be that way. And I think he and I think his kid want to be the number one pick in the draft. And the only way to do that is to come back next year. I think he's absolutely coming back next year. It's going to be fascinating. I just wonder when he says, when we love and appreciate where we are, you make a great point. I don't know if Shadur Sanders appreciates getting hit all the time. Yeah. That doesn't make like a time for him. It's like, Dad, no, I listen, I appreciate where we are, but we're going to need to talk about a little added security going into yeah. next season. Um, Jesse, let's get to that. This one. Peak nostalgia for you and I, especially yesterday, with a little bit of confusion here. What went on around the Mean Girls musical, but we're not really sure musical that got teased? It's the Mean Girls musical movie. So the trailer dropped for this film that is going to be released. And what you're speaking to, the confusion, is that there's actually none of the musical parts in the trailer. And people are confused. I don't think this is confusing at all. They're marketing this. They don't want people to know that it's a musical. I think like if you know it's a musical, you're going to watch it because you love musicals. But they're trying to rein in the people who might be turned off by the fact that it's a musical. And it's working because I don't like musicals, but I want to see this movie. So the trailer is just, it basically looks like a movie, right? I don't like musicals. it looked dead. It looks like a movie, but they also yeah. show some of the very clearly choreographed song and dance numbers that would exist. This is a, um, a reprisal of, like uh, Jesse mentioned, the 2018 to 2020 Broadway show that ran for this. And Renee Rapp, who uh, is the star of Sex Lives of College Girls and played the role of Regina George on Broadway, is going to be playing it in here. Now, you still got Tina Fey and Tim Meadows in this one, who amazingly enough are still teaching at that high school after all these years. Yes. And I they have tenure, Mike. I love. Yeah musicals like i was a big glee fan growing up i love shows on broadway and so i am excited for the musical element of this and i guess that's why i'm a little taken aback that you wouldn't let that little light of your shine in the preview well i'm just saying there's people who who don't like musicals so yes, if you I, release I, a trailer that will pull in people without showing that portion of it why not then you're just getting I, more I, people to watch 
Jesse, you're you're a thousand percent correct. This is a marketing move that says we want to get the entire mass and not cut it down for those that don't like musicals. So let's let them believe it's not a musical when they go watch this and then hopefully be pleasantly surprised because I don't mind a musical at all. I'll go watch it. But to your point, Jesse, I I, I do agree with you. I don't seek it out, but I will say. Jesse, would you think. Go ahead. Would you think people would be enthused about just a shot-for-shot remake of the original movie without the original cast? Because without the musical song and dance element, that's all you're getting would be a watered-down version of one of my favorite movies ever. I mean... I don't know. Remakes are all the rage these days. They remake everything. Like it's kind of like, okay, we'll get a fresh take on it and see what comes of it. Tina Fey's Listen, involved, uh, so it's going to be good. Yeah, I, I do like that. And Mike, remakes are hit and miss, right? Your yeah. your remake, The Longest Yard. I didn't really dig that. Your remake, Walking Tall with The Rock. I kind of dug that. So you know, it is kind of for the most part. I'm not usually a huge fan of them. Um, but it's an interesting point you bring up. If you give that added element of a musical, maybe that lures people. But I still lean more toward Jesse thinking that you may cut off some of the people that said, I don't, don't want to go see a musical. I will say the internet is melting down because the tagline in the trailer is, this isn't your mother's mean girls. And everyone's like, oh, <laughs> Ooh, oh. God. yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, God. we're not old enough for that. And then I was like, oh, no, I <laughs> am a mom. I was like, I am a mom. Yep. Yeah. So, no, I. Thought <laughs> okay. to be it a two-time mom. Is, yeah. It actually is yeah. your mother. It actually fits, girl. doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tough call. Yeah. Man. Uh-huh. Yeah. It hurts. Now I know. Yeah. We do you guys get to me. Okay? Like, looks like that in public every yeah. day now. I. I yeah, it sinks true. in Good more point. and more every day. Um, yeah. Speaking of seasonal depression here, uh, Jesse, let's get to the third here and how Josh McDaniels had to ruin his kids' Halloween. So first he ruined the Raiders, then he ruined his kids' Halloween. So (laughs) apparently, here's what happens. He gets fired by the Raiders, calls his kids home from trick-or-treating to bring them home into his house to tell him that he got fired. So he was like, all right, you guys got to come home. We have to have like a family meeting. And the ki- it's Halloween. Kids come running into the house. I don't know how old his kids are. I'm imagining little kids come running into the house. And he's like, all right, daddy's been fired and we're moving. Like, that's what I'm imagining happened. So, so on, on this, there's part of me that says, why would you do that? And then there's part of me that can understand that. Because now, if you're going to these houses now, even if the kids have, you know, costumes on you don't recognize them but but maybe the mom is going is walking with them and everybody i'm sure knows who the the mom is so maybe he was trying to protect them from going up to hey trick or treat oh hey your dad just got canned what do you think of that you know and because people can be idiots like that so you you i i don't i don't know the reason i'm just trying to think of why he would but you know he failed at, at head coaching the, the the Raiders so maybe he failed at the callback of the kids from trick-or-treating because that cost those kids a lot of candy yeah I'm and you know kidding. what kids will remember that I'm but just... that's the only reason Mike that I can think of on why he would do that in case his kids started getting barraged a little bit everything that's coming out about him I feel like it was just because he wanted to call them home and tell them he got fired <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's, maybe his kids were going out dressed as Josh McDaniels and Devontae yeah. Adams for Halloween, and so it was going to be pretty uncomfortable if they kept this thing moving uh, here. 
uncomfortable is a great way to describe how I felt this entire show because of all of the meat lodged inside my body. I'm going to go try and take care of that. If you also have enjoyed some meat sweats during this pod, download, subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price, and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.